Hello and welcome to the A to Z of Tech podcast. Today's episode, we're looking at K for Kids. And I am thrilled to say that we're joined in the studio by Maithi Rajesh Kumar, who is Policy Manager at Childnet International. And I'm also joined by PwC's Robin Howard, who has been instrumental in the development of the Tech She Can Charter and the consequent Tech We Can Digital Skills Programme. So they've joined me today and we're going to have a bit of discussion around ways in which children engage with the digital world, how we need to protect them, but also how we can encourage them to engage in a healthy and productive way. So thank you both so much for joining me today. So Mythi, if we start with you, could you tell us a little bit more about Childnet itself and the kind of work that you do there? Yeah, sure. Um, Great to be here. Um, So Childnet is a children's charity. Um, We were set up in 1995, which probably seems like quite a long time ago um, when we're thinking about the internet, but our founder was pretty visionary. Um, And the organisation was set up to make the internet a great and safe place for all children, Um, which is a pretty broad statement, but we kind of passionately believe that um, the internet and technology is a wonderful part of growing up for young people and it gives them so many opportunities. But there are also some risks and dangers and we want to make um, them as safe as possible and also really happy to to be on it. So that's why we were sort of set up and that's kind of our mission. Brilliant. It sounds like a a really important one as well. Um, So how did you personally get involved with Childnet and what they've set out to do? Um, So I've worked in the charity sector for a while and I've worked with uh, young people with special educational needs and autism. And I also worked in the violence against women and girls sector as well. Um, And with both groups of people, I kind of saw how technology was kind of affecting their lives in in numerous ways, whether they were already vulnerable um, or the kind of risks that they saw. Um, But also that it was a real place where people who don't often have a voice in in sort of general society can actually um, kind of have a way to to express themselves, join and form new communities. Um, And so I thought, okay, ChildNet was a a perfect fit. Brilliant. Sounds like a great stepping stone into like digital digital rights. So um, what are some of the kind of the key or specific issues in particular that ChildNet is getting involved with? So we kind of start from the basis that we need to kind of listen to children. Um, I think too often in this space, uh, a lot of adults like us are sat around the table uh, (laughs) discussing. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but often we're not really hearing from young people about what they think, what their concerns are, what is good about the Internet, um, what role does it have in their lives. So we start from the basis of let's go and talk to them. So we have an education team that go out and speak to children across the country. We speak to thousands of children, as well as their parents and teachers um, about what is happening for them online? um, What do they enjoy? um, What sort of services do they prefer? Um, but also what are their kind of worries? So things like cyberbullying, um, seeing content that um, they aren't sure what to deal with. So sort of what we as adults often term as inappropriate content. Um, and I think there are a kind of wide range of risks, um, but it's also important to kind of recognise that not all children are the same. Um, so you can't just go into a kind of uh, one message that fits all children. When we speak to children, we have to very much speak on their, their kind of level and what's, what's happening for them. And when you speak to different groups of children, how aware are they of their kind of digital rights and kind of presence online? I think um, 
it's amazing when you when you speak to them about how much they understand around the complexities and nuances mm. of what it is to be online. I think probably often, better than we do. Often, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. You know, when I when I go in um, and we we speak to them, or you know, at, at Childnet we also do a lot of research that really underpins um, the work that we do and the educational resources that we um, that we develop. Um, it's amazing how um, how they really understand what's going on. Um, for them, but also at society at large. So the kind of pressure um, that the internet might um, put on on you to, to look a certain way. So, you know, I think we've probably all thought about a photo and it's like, oh no, let me take it again before I actually post it because it doesn't quite show the meal that I cooked in the best light, for example. <laughs> um, and young people are constantly kind of um, navigating it and are also really understanding their place in in making a better internet and that's what we really want to do we want to rally them um, to make the internet a kind of a better place for everybody so what kind of role do you think children and young people currently have or should have in this kind of space I think at, at every level, really. So we have an amazing programme called the Digital Leaders Programme, um, and that um, runs across the UK. And what we do is we uh, train young people through an online platform, and they become kind of, I suppose, online safety experts in their local communities and they become peer mentors so they um, actually educate other young people as well as you know we've seen since the program set they're also educating parents and teachers um, and it's amazing because I think often young people are probably hearing from the likes of us saying oh you know protect your password or don't talk to strangers online and it's really important that we carry on doing that but it's also really powerful to hear it from other young people who can really relate and understand how difficult it can actually be because it's not it's not so easy um for them absolutely so having more of like a peer-to-peer -peer relationship rather than like a hierarchical somebody's just telling you what to do or what not to do yeah exactly yeah. and also um you know for example we we do research um we uh, all our events for example we'd really try and make young people at the kind of forefront of them so they're the speaking um for safer internet day which is happening on the 11th of february this year um we're getting them to run workshops and activities for all the guests who are coming so it's a really good way for policymakers from government to the tech industry to charities really to kind of get into what are the intricacies of being online for a child today. And you've mentioned some of the research that Childnet does. What kind of trends or findings have you kind of come across yourself that you think are particularly interesting? Yeah. So um, I think it's probably quite useful to, to think about what we're looking for Safer Internet Day each year. So um, the day is a global campaign, um, so across across the world in over 150 countries, I think. Um, and we organise it um, as part of the UK Safer Internet Centre here in the UK. And every year we look at a theme, um, a specific theme that we think is particularly interesting for children in the UK. And we um, we do focus groups. We, um, as I said, we go into schools and we kind of just start, we, we put it out to our digital leaders and say, what are you, what are you kind of really interested in? Um, and this year we're looking at the issue of online identity. So how are young people's identities shaped and curated by their time online? How does it affect um, their offline? And do they feel really free to be themselves? What are the pressures that they have um, to either look perfect or um, are they targeted because of their identity are all young people uh, equally treated um, on the internet um, but also like I said a little bit before you know does it provide them spaces to, to form new communities and find other people like them that they wouldn't um, be able to necessarily find offline um, so a pretty complex theme um, and obviously looks at how 
you know, the online world affects the offline world. We don't believe in that kind of dual binary it, it, for, for young people and probably absolutely. for us. It's just yeah, your world, isn't absolutely. it? Um, they, they're one and the same. Yeah, I think particularly for the younger generation who've grown up with it as part of the norm. Like I know in my childhood, online wasn't really a thing. It was all dial-up internet and it was very much a separate entity. Um, you've mentioned the UK Safer Internet Centre. Could you tell us a little bit more about what that is? Yeah, so it's the um, consortium of three organisations here in the UK. Um, there's a Safer Internet Centre in every country in Europe um, and we form the UK one. And as we know that you know the internet is obviously global, it transcends borders and it's really important that we kind of share our knowledge and practices across, across countries. Um, but we form um, the UK version and that's us, ChildNet, and also our partners, so the IWF, um, they're an organisation um, where they uh, remove child sexual abuse imagery from the internet and they have analysts who do that, um, as well as the Southwest Grid for Learning. And they run um, helplines for professionals, um, which is really, really helpful if you're a professional working with children and you have any online safety concern, you can kind of go to them and they, um, they have you know very good links with industry and you can get stuff taken down. Um, and they also run the report content um, website and that's for any member of public um, so if you've reported something on a service and you think yeah. oh I'm not really sure how that went or I'm not happy with a decision um, go and go and look them up oh, brilliant I have to say I didn't know those resources existed so that's yeah actually really useful to hear thank you yeah. um, if we're thinking about making the internet appropriate for children now there's been a lot of discussion and debate recently around age-appropriate design as a concept um can you maybe expand a little bit on what that might mean yeah so um i think probably lots of people have kind of understood that data is the big word and the big concern um for for adults and children alike probably but what up until this point is probably very much focused on on how data is captured for for adults, but not necessarily about children's experience. So the age appropriate design code looks like looks at um, you know how is data collected by young people, how does it shape their online experience. So not just your kind of your name and your age, um, but also does it kind of encourage you to spend more time online? What are the kind of uh, adverts possibly that are targeted to you? Um, and I think it's a really important part of understanding um, how young people are navigating the online space because they're spending increasing amounts of time online. And we're not always sure exactly what that experience is because everybody's experience is so targeted and tailored to them. And, you know, my experience online is probably quite different to yours just because of the things that you like and the things that I like, yeah. you know. Um, and so uh, it's it's really important that young people really kind of understand that. So part of it is empowering them to understand what their rights are around the space and just understanding, you know, for example, I don't know, do you read your, the terms and conditions? Do you do you read them before you accept? <laughs> Decline? Probably not. Um, <laughs> we could probably all say that we've all accepted, uh, you know, something that we probably should have read the all five pages in tiny, small print. Um, so giving young people the kind of, the, the knowledge and the ability to be able to actually understand what's going on for them and that there are choices for them to make, but also the kind of um, giving designers who create services also an understanding, how do you um, collect and use data about children? So it's thinking not only about the end user, which might be an adult or it might be a child, but also how that app or service is actually designed in the first place as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think um, probably... A lot of people will hear the kind of uh, safety by design uh, phrase that's kind of uh, bandied about and it and it 
is really important. It's not just jargon. It, it's yeah. about really... Um, so often I think sometimes we think, okay, after the fact, we're like, you know, kind of peddling back and trying to figure out how to make it safe or how to make it better for young people and for adults, to be honest. Um, but it, but really we have to get into the minds of the designers because there are ways in which we can make these spaces um, much better for children and they have to really start thinking about how they do that better. So we're thinking about how we can help children navigate the internet more safely. Is there any advice you can offer to maybe adults or parents as to how to to help that yeah sure um, <laughs> it's 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 a question that always always gets hearts and uh, it's it's always a complex one to to respond to but um I think firstly I mean it sounds very broad but really talking to your children having a conversation like you know, like I said, the online world isn't different to the offline world. So you might ask your child when they come back from school, how was, how was your day at school? Who did you speak to? What did your teacher say? Who did you fall out with? Who, you know, wh whatever it is. And those conversations have to start really early. You know, children as young as one are, are using um, technology, um, you know, using tablets, for example. Um, you know, I know that, you know, I've, I've you know seen kids who like sort of zoom in on a photo, um, on a real photo, because they're so used to like use zooming wow. in on a, on a tablet so before yeah. they can even speak they have the kind of coordination to be able to do that so um when parents say when is it when is the right time to start talking to my kids I'm like uh, as soon as they can talk start having those conversations and of, of course they have to be tailored to that to that age um and that's why at ChildNet we develop resources for for parents to be able to do it because it is really difficult to start that conversation so we've got conversation starters to talk to your five-year-old but also to talk to your teens who probably don't want to talk to you, you about, talk this, at all about, anyway. about yeah. the social media <laughs> services are on so have that conversation um secondly like don't panic if you find out something that you're like, oh my God, why has my child done this or whatever, don't panic. You know, children often tell us that the reason why they don't go to adults is because they're worried their tech is going to be taken away from them or they're going to overreact. Um, and that kind of messaging is kind of embedded in them. And I think it's really important for parents and teachers and, and all of us really to kind of recognise that, yeah, okay, they might do things that we might not have decided to do. Um, but also, it's not the end of the world, like things, things can kind of um, help them through that. Um, and I think just the, the end thing is just kind of reassuring them um, throughout have those regular conversations don't just say right we're going to talk about sending nude images today around the kitchen table you know at 7 p.m and it's just like the most awkward conversation try and build it into other things whether you're watching tv together and there's a storyline or a headline try to be kind of less obvious and formal about it that sounds like very sensible advice thank you and so if we're thinking about how children can be educated to engage in a healthy way Robin, this seems like a great time to turn to you. Could you tell us a little bit more about where the Tech We Can programme came from? Sure. So Tech We Can is a set of free lesson plans, toolkits that are available to any school um, in the UK, but also we're looking at globally as well how we launch this out. Um, and it's a set of free lesson plans that start to teach technology to the ages of 10 to 13. So it's really targeted at key stage three level. It's free for all teachers to use. It's mapped to national curriculum. It hits um, six out of the eight Gatsby benchmarks. And it's something that was created um, through the organisations that have collaborated together on the Tech She Can Charter. 
Um, and the Text You Can Charter is now a collaboration of over 140 organisations that are committed to looking at how we improve the amount of women in technology roles and really identifying that there was an issue at the pipeline level. So that's why we're really focused on schools and giving teachers, parents, careers advisors the best um, form of material they can to teach technology and inspire them to get into a technology career. And although they sound quite similar, mm. Tech She Can and Tech We Can are aimed at slightly different audiences. Is that right? Yeah, sure. So it's confusing over the name, <laughs> but there's a reason. So the Tech She Can Charter was something that was set up in 2018, and that is more for the business and organisation side. It's a collaboration of organisations working together on this commitment. The Tech She Can Charter created Tech We Can. The reason why I've changed the name is that although we are focused on improving the amount of females in technology, we need to go wider than that. So other underrepresented groups in the technology space. And actually, these lesson plans that we've created are not only suitable for girls, they're suitable for boys, for anyone, and can be taught in lesson time. So that's why we've named it Tech We Can rather than Tech She Can. Brilliant. Thank you. I did find that very <laughs> confusing. So thank you for clearing that up. Um, so what sort of research has been carried out about how effective this has been so far and what have the outcomes been? So it, the first piece of research that we actually started with was when we didn't have the Text You Can Charter. So this was some research that we commissioned at PwC called Time to Close the Gender Gap Research. And we wanted to look at what was putting girls off applying for technology roles. So we surveyed 2000 A-level and university students and we found that only 3% of female students said that they would consider a career in technology. And there was a real difference between the male and female responses. Not only that, we found that 78% of both male and female students couldn't name a famous female working in technology. So there was a real need to highlight role models. And this is all of these things that have been um, raised in our initial research is something that we've tried to address through developing Tech We Can. So that was the very first piece of research. Then we went off and, and created all of Tech We Can, which is populated with role model videos. Each lesson plan looks at a different area of technology. So there's a lesson plan around tech for manufacturing and engineering, tech for education, tech for fun. And throughout it, it's following the same process of showing a role model video at the start of each lesson, engaging with the students around what they think a career could look like in this space. And then also, we've mentioned about parents being a massive influencer it was 16% of female students said they were encouraged to take a STEM subject or STEM career by their parents careers advisor or teacher compared to 33% of, of male students so there was a difference in how we have that natural bias to encourage male students rather than mm. female students into a technology role so that's why we're going with both sexes with tech we can and we want to try and encourage it from a parent angle as well and each lesson plan incorporates a bit of homework for them to take home and engage with the parent on what kind of technology did you use to communicate when you were at school and, and it's not the same as what they use telegram yes. <laughs> yeah pigeon yeah. <laughs> brilliant so it sounds like tech weekend is more aimed at building curiosity rather than Absolutely. actually kind of technical application of skills yeah, absolutely. And that was a real um, specific design principle for us when we were creating this material, is that we want to try and build curiosity into these areas. We can't predict what technology careers are going to be 
around in 10, 15 years time. So the best form of education for students at that younger age group of 10 to 13 is to start to build that curiosity. Um, And that's something as well that was really important for us was that these lesson plans can be taught by any um, any subject teacher. So they don't have to be a specialist. Um, They don't have to be an ICT or computer science teacher. And that's what's been really successful in our pilots and the feedback that we've had from some of the schools taking part already. So thinking about kind of who's involved in this scheme, obviously schools and teachers and parents, um, are there other kind of supporters of this project? How is it being driven? Yeah, luckily from the very start, we've had the backing of the Department for Digital Culture, Media and Sport. They've really helped to drive um, the creation of the Text You Can Charter and those organisations that have been involved in this. We wouldn't have been able to do it Um, without the support of now over 140 organisations. We started with only 18 organisations back in 2018. So we've really grown with the amount of organisations that are backing this, supporting it, pushing out communications through their own organisations and driving what we're trying to do and making that change at a school level. And if we think about if we don't manage to engage with children at that kind of age, um, both around their awareness of the fact that they can pursue a career in STEM, but also helping them engage with digital um, technologies more broadly. What are the kind of the, the impacts or the risks if we don't start getting that right, do you think? Yeah, I think particularly if we don't encourage more girls into technology, we run the risk of, of really getting it wrong. And there are so many examples of where this has happened already. Um, there's so many examples of phones being created that are now bigger and bigger that don't actually fit a female hand. Um, there was the AI, um, so the artificial heart that was created that was only suitable for men. So it, there's so many examples out there. And the more that technology progresses, we need need um, diversity of thought, of gender, of ethnicity, social mobility involved in those new tech products and services that are being created so that they reflect the diverse world that we live in. Otherwise, we really, we continue to get it wrong. Absolutely. Um, So I think speaking to the both of you, it sounds really like we need to find this a sort of a middle ground where children are protected and can feel safe when they're engaging online, but also that they're equipped to navigate like the modern digital world that we live in. Um, so, Mithy, do you think schemes like this are part of the solution with what the, the, the issues that ChildNet is engaging with? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, as kind of Robin said around, you know, we need sort of diversity in technology because technology is created by us. So <laughs> the problems that, that, are, that are in it, um, we can't sort of shut the door. It, it is created by us and they often reflect kind of societal problems. Um, and so absolutely, we need to kind of engage everybody in that conversation, not just um, a few people. So whether that's engaging children or um, that's girls or, you know, wh- whoever it is, we, we need to kind of make sure that everybody is part of that conversation um, and at the table really, really importantly, um, because I think so often they're not. Absolutely. And if we, if we think about the future, what do you think the relationship between children and tech will look like in maybe, say, sort of five years time? 
So we actually asked um, some children this last year, we get them to do this uh, film competition and they all create um, a film. And last year they we asked them, okay, what's your idea of the future internet? And it was amazing. It was so much more inspiring than anything I could <laughs> I could say to, to you. It. So that's why I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you their answer rather than my answer. Um, so it, I think it depends. We A lot of people probably feel like we're at this kind of really important crossroads at this moment where we're probably slowly kind of wakening up to the fact that we we need to be part. We can't just say technology is going to fix everything for us. We need to be part of creating it really uh, properly for us. Um, so what young people kind of said is that the internet can, uh, you know, in, in 10, 15 years, hopefully um, create a world um, where everybody can be, uh, can make the most out of it, that it can provide services for people who aren't able to get them um, kind of offline. So if we're thinking with for um, disabled peoples, for example, um, and that the, the vision for the internet from young people was really that it could be this equalizer. Um, but it's really important that we have to make sure that that, that method of doing that is, is right, because I think a lot of people thought the internet was going mm, to be that. Yeah. Um, you know, in 1995 or in, in, you know, when it, when, when we first started, for example, I thought, okay, yeah, we're all going to be the same. So, um, like, like Robin kind of said, um, and like the work that we're doing for Safer Internet Day this year, looking at online identity, who is part of that conversation, who's designing the technology, who's, uh, challenging it. Um, all of that has to be, um, we have to really, really work hard collaboratively to make sure that that kind of future is something that is within our reach. Yeah, Absolutely. I'd agree. And I think that um, one of the lesson plans we have actually is around tech for safety and security. And that was really important for us, same to your point, is that if we don't educate children on keeping safe online, um, how are we meant to know that they're aware of all of the the things that are available to them, there's so much available to them. So one of the games that they do within this lesson plan is tracking their digital footprint. And it asks them along the way, like, did you know that you're actually being tracked on these and we can see your journey and where you've been because of the Wi-Fi that you've connected to in that coffee shop that morning? And they have no idea. So we need to educate that younger age so that we, we get it right, continuing on to the future and their relationship with technology is then a positive one because there are so many tech for good examples and that's what we need to start encouraging at that younger age yeah it's about it's about helping children feel comfortable and supporting them to navigate this crazy digital world in a like, secure way where they can maximize the opportunities that that brings to them as well um so a final question i think what would you like to see happen in the next couple of years to address some of these issues that we've touched on uh, Robin, I'll ask you. Next couple of years, I would love to see every school in the UK using Tech Weekend. I think it's a fab set of materials, obviously, um, and is free for teachers to use. So why not? Um, there's a chance to really make a difference at that really that age group where we can start to inspire more girls, uh, but also all children before they start to make those really critical decisions at GCSEs and going into A-levels and where they take their future career. So I would love to see more teachers embracing Tech We Can and learning about technology and building up their own knowledge. Am I Oh, there's, there's so many things in the next <laughs> few years. Um, so I suppose firstly, I think there's going to be a lot of policy decisions that are being made, both uh, in terms of our UK government, as well as what uh, tech companies are going to be doing. And I kind of really urge them to make sure that they 
are speaking to their users, including children, um, as much as possible and really meaningfully consult them. So not just, you know, for an hour, um, but really look into what young people are, are, are doing and, and how they understand the online world. Um, because that kind of research and evidence is, is, is gold dust, really, if you want to kind of legislate. So that's the kind of you know, engaging young people, but I'd also love um, all children across across the UK to be part of that solution as well. Um, so things like our digital leader program are an amazing way to really get involved and tailor, um, you know, your local community's needs um, and what what they can get out of the internet. And I would love you know young people to kind of really be that voice um, in their community. I think. Well, fingers crossed, we can get to those those places. Um, Thank you both so much for joining me today. It's been a really insightful conversation. Um, if listeners want to hear a little bit more about the kind of work you're involved with, is there somewhere they should go? Yeah. Um, so uh, childnet.com is an amazing kind of website where you can find all sorts of resources. So there's free resources for parents, for carers, for teachers, for children. Um, and we also um, do a blog um, and we regularly update. So if you if there is any service or app or game that your child is on and you're like, oh, my God, I really don't understand this. Um, we usually will do a kind of update, just kind of basic things, privacy settings, things that you need to look out for it's a really really useful way um, and then secondly um, Safer Internet Day is happening on the 11th of February um, last year we reached 46% of UK children which is amazing um, and we just want to kind of kick start that kind of national conversation because we know um, from the schools that took part in the day um, 41% of them, of them said that it led to potential safeguarding disclosures about online issues so sometimes people think oh, what does an awareness day actually do mm. but but really talking to children about it gives them the kind of confidence that, oh, OK, the adults do kind of know what they're talking about or this isn't going to be scary if I tell somebody about something that's been worrying me. So if you are an organisation, you can register as a supporter, get in touch with us. We can really help you um, get involved and spread the word. Brilliant. Thank you. And Robin, where can we find out more about Tech We Can? Sure. So if you're a teacher, parent, careers advisor, head teacher, school governor, then techwecan.org is there for you to sign up to. You just need to add in a few basic details and we'll approve your access and you've got full access free to all of the lesson plans. We know from our pilots that 91% of students said they enjoyed the lesson plans and in particular 47% of girls said they would consider a career in technology after taking part on Tech We Can compared to only 27% before. So we know that it's making an impact. We just need more schools involved. If you are a business or an organisation that wants to get involved in the charter and help support that, then that's on pwc.co.uk forward slash techshecan. Brilliant. Again, thank you both so much. And listeners, thank you for joining us as well. You can, as always, find me on Twitter at Lutag Tech and please rate and subscribe to our podcast. And you can join me next time to find out about L for Life extension when I'll be joined in the studio by two geneticists. 